Well, good morning. You are a lively bunch this morning. It's good to have you. If you have your Bible, will you take it and turn with me to the book of Acts? Acts chapter 2. The passage that uh, Dave read for us this morning is where we will uh, land and look at today. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And if you're using the Pew Bible, I think you can find that on page 1056. Well, as summer draws to a close, we are uh, entering a new season here at First Alliance Church. Uh, This is the uh, last week and into this week we start our our fall kickoff with all of our new ministry year uh, opportunities that are available, all the different programs and scheduling and and, uh, events that uh, happen on an annual basis kind of kick off in September. And so as we look to this time, it really is a fresh start for us. And it really is a, uh, a new beginning in a sense. As we hit September, it really is a new season uh, here at First Alliance. And uh, we're really looking forward to see what God has in store for us this season. Um, as we end summer and we move, we move into September, we move into another season. Uh, one that is one of my favorite seasons of the year. I don't know if, if you're like me, but, but as the days get shorter and the nights get a little bit cooler... And soon the leaves will be changing uh, their color. It's, it's just a great season, isn't it? I mean, football season is awesome. <laughs> it's football season. You thought I was going to say fall. It's not fall. It's football season. And as I thought about that, I thought of all the great teams that made up the past that we often look back to, all the great teams that uh, we, we kind of hold up and, and emulate. I mean, who can forget the Steelers of the 70s, right? I mean, the steel curtain and, and uh, the great offense that they had. Just a great, great uh, team to look up to and to admire. The, uh, the Bills of the 90s, great team. Made it to four Super Bowls in a row. About as far as they got, but that's okay. You know, farther than all the other teams in their conference, right? So those teams, Jim Kelly and what he did, great, fantastic teams of the 90s. I was trying to think of something for the Browns, and I just couldn't. Nothing was was really... Now, don't don't throw rocks. Uh, They had their heyday. I mean, the 50s and the Jim Brown era when the NFL was one one league and they had all those championship and championship opportunities. Uh, Cleveland, I mean, I did my homework. I actually Googled all that. And uh, they had great seasons. And of course, who could forget the Fairview Tigers of the 70s and 80s? I mean, they were just fantastic, especially 1986. That team was, was special. You know, whether you're a sports fan or not, um, there's something true about great teams. There are a few things that are true about all great teams. One thing that's true about them is that they are always better together. The team is always better together. While each team may have or, or have had one or two star players or athletes or, or personalities that kind of rose to the top on their particular team, it was the sum of their parts. It was the team together that made them great, that made them special. And that really kind of bears itself out. As, as if you're a sports fan at all and you've watched star athletes move from one championship team to another, kind of trying to 
follow the money, if you will. Um, they rarely achieve, it happens sometimes, but rarely do they achieve the same level of success as they had with their previous team. There's just something, something special about being with that team at that moment in that season. They were better together. Another thing that is true about uh, great teams is that they were committed to the vision. At the beginning of every year, they would commit themselves to the vision of winning the championship. I mean, when they gathered together for that first speech from the coach, the first day of practice, that first talk that the coach would give, none of them would say, well, some would say, but none of them would get there and say, well, I, I just hope we show up this year. I just hope that we can, you know, fill the stands or, or I hope that we can participate. The great teams were committed to the vision of winning the championship. The great teams said from day one, that's our focus. That's our goal. That is what we are going to commit ourselves to. The vision of winning a championship. And they embraced that ideal as a team. And they worked hard and they encouraged each other. They would bleed together. They would sweat together. They would experience both failure and success together. They would help each other up. They would cover each other's back. And they would win. In a word, they were unstoppable. This is a picture of great teams. But I would also say that this is a picture of the early church. As we start a new ministry calendar and as we look forward to what, to what God has in store for us, I want us, I want to draw us back to Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, and remind ourselves of the vision that the church should be striving for. To realize the potential that we have to be better together. And to understand that if we would stand united together, with God living in us, we would be unstoppable in sharing His love and His truth to other people. So as we stand at the beginning of a new ministry season, as we stand at the beginning of a new ministry here at First Alliance Church, consider this sermon, the locker room speech. This is the pregame speech before the season begins. Acts chapter 2. 20, verses 42 through 47. It says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They, they devoted themselves Now, who is this they that the Scriptures are talking about? Take a moment and put this back into context for you. Acts chapter 2 is the setting where 
if you remember, Christ has, has come and has fulfilled His mission on earth. He has, he has died on the cross for our sin. He was buried into the tomb and He has resurrected to, to life that we would have new life. And after, after He did that, he, he, he walked for 50 days among the people. He was seen by over 500 different people as the Scriptures attest. And he began, and he kept teaching and, and preaching and sharing his truth and his character and his priorities with those people. And at the end of 50 days, he gathered his disciples together and he said, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to make disciples of all nations. I want you to baptize them and I want you to teach them the things that I have commanded you. Teach them these things. And understand that I will always be with you. And understand this too. That you will be my witnesses. You will have the testimony. You will share this truth with all people. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will have power to do this. You won't do it in your own strength, but you will do it in the Spirit's power. And when you do this, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, the town that you live in, in Judea, the area and the countryside and the culture groups that you are affiliated with, in all of Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria to the other parts of the country and the region and around the earth. Around this world, you will take this message. And when he had said that, the Scriptures tell us in Acts chapter 1 that he ascended into the heavens where he sits this day at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. When that happened, the, the disciples and the followers and those who had been with Him, I'm sure just kind of sat there awestruck, their jaws dropped to the ground and trying to figure out, well, what do we do now? How does this all fit together? When are these things going to happen? Shortly thereafter, Acts 2 tells us that the Holy Spirit did come upon them, as Jesus said, and they began to speak this truth into the languages of the people that were surrounding them from the different regions and the different countries. They spoke the gospel truth in the language that the people could hear and understand. And as they did this, it was powerful and it changed lives. And in Acts chapter 2, it says, and 3,000 were added to the faith that day. And so they devoted themselves. That's the they. The people who were just transformed by God. The disciples that had followed Him. The new believers that were trying to figure this whole thing out. More than 3,000 people in that city and in that town in that day transitioned into verse 42 into a snapshot of their lives, their lives together. They they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to prayer. The one quality that permeated through all of who they were, the one thing that, that held them together was their devotion. These were people who were devoted to God and devoted to each other. And because of their devotion, it affected how they lived their lives. It affected the very core of who they were. And because of their devotion, they were devoted to. Because of their devotion, it made an impact on the lives of the people that were living around them. The lives of the people that they would come in contact with were changed. Miraculous things were happening. The power of God was moving. Because they were devoted. 
The word devoted in this section here means adhere to, to persist, to persevere. So whatever challenges came their way, whatever was happening in life and work and family, whatever opposition they faced, whatever thing, whatever was it, they were facing in their community or in the marketplace, they held on and they persevered and they continued to be devoted people in faith and in practice. When life came crashing in around them, when the pressure got too much, they remained devoted. They stuck together. They persisted. They persevered through it. And they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. You know, sometimes I wonder if that's true of us today. Are we people who who individually and then also collectively as a church, are we people who would be devoted? Are we people who would who would stick together, who would persist, who would persevere in our faith, in our beliefs, in our commitment to Christ? When life gets hard, when life gets difficult, when the pressures of life kind of push in hard against us and we feel like we're going to break and we feel like we can't go on and we feel like there's not another thing that we can handle, are we the type of people that that will persist and persevere, stick together? Are we devoted? Sometimes I think it's easier to just quit. Sometimes I think people have just taken a look at everything that life has going on and, and crashing in against them. And this whole idea of trying to keep my faith and strive after God and, and go to church and read the Scriptures and, and find groups to be involved in and, and take communion and spend time in prayer with all of life. That, you know, it, it, it's just too much. I just quit. It's a lot easier to just stay home on a Sunday morning when the pressure of life gets to you. And so we just quit. Finding time to spend in personal reflection, trying to find time where where I can study God's Word for myself on my own, trying to hear God. Life is so loud. It's so hard. I just quit. I just give up. And so... I don't go to church one week and one week stretches into two weeks and two weeks into three and three becomes four. Four becomes a month. Month becomes a season. And after a season, it becomes years. And we look back over our lives and we look back and we say, my life isn't the same. Things have changed. And we often hear people say this. I just got out of the habit of doing it. I got out of the habit of going to church. I got out of the habit of studying God's Word. I got out of the habit of praying. I got out of the habit of trying to find connections with other people who believe the same things. I just got out of the habit. And so I quit. Life is too hard. Life is too difficult. There's too much going on. And so I stopped. Too often I think that's what we see happening to our friends and to our family. That instead of sticking together, instead of persisting through the struggle, instead of persevering through the challenges, instead of collecting a group of people around us that can hold us up in prayer, that can support us in the difficult time, that can carry us from this moment to that moment, this day to that day, instead of being involved in that culture and that kind of community where we really want to honor God with our lives and, and I need to stick to it and I need to persist and I need to persevere, instead of doing that, we just 
quit. And what we need to realize is when we do that, when we just quit, we not only weaken ourselves, but we weaken the team. When you quit, you not only weaken yourself and find yourself a day, a week, a month, a season, a year later, not being the same person you were. You not only weaken yourself, but you weaken the team. Because we win together. We face struggles together. We face what some would call failure together. When life is hard, when life is difficult, and we just can't go on, we face all of that together. When life is to be celebrated, when people are given in marriage, when children are are dedicated, we celebrate that together. When we worship, we worship together. We are better together. But when one of us quits, we not only weaken ourselves, but we weaken the team. Every one of you that's here this morning is valuable to the team that God has drawn together here at this church. Every single one of you. Even if you don't feel like it. Even if you haven't found your fit yet. Even if you don't know where to plug in and how God wants to use you. You are still valuable to this team and to God and to what He wants to do. You're valuable to us. Together, we can see God move in people's lives in powerful ways. Together, we can see God answer prayer. Together, together we could change our world. But can we persevere? Can we push through? Watch how this comes to life in this Acts chapter 2. You know, this small group of people didn't see the miraculous power of God moving in their lives and in the lives of others because the local temple offered a great Thursday night Bible study on the Truth Project. That's not why these people saw God moving. The people didn't stand in awe of what was happening and in awe of God because these people gathered their men together and sent them off on a fantastic retreat, October 10th, 11th, and 12th, Camp Mission Meadows, and it's a whole new format with a whole new venue and a whole new speaker offering a nine-hole golf scramble that weekend. That's not why people were in awe. People did not stand in awe of these, these first, these first Christians, this early church, because there was another season of, of Financial Peace University or MOPS or Women to Women or Precepts Bible Studies or Awana started up again. That's not why the people stood in awe. Miraculous things weren't being done because there were seven great community life groups on a Sunday morning that would meet. They didn't stand in awe because of the temple-wide Waldemir picnic days. They didn't stand in awe because the temple would gather together on a, on a weeknight and celebrate a grand picnic together out in their lawn. Are there any other ministries I need to promote this morning? That's not why they saw great things. Great things weren't happening 
to these people and in the lives of these people and in the life of this church because of the other, because of the opportunities uh, that were out there. Great things happened because these people were devoted. They were devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and they devoted themselves to prayer. This is why they saw the power of God moving in their midst. They took advantage of the opportunities that were around them and they devoted themselves. They took their life of devotion and they spilled it out into the other areas and opportunities that were around them. And it made them better and it made them together better. Now, we devote ourselves to other areas of life, don't we? We do this too. We devote ourselves to a number of different things. Some of us devote ourselves to to a game called golf. We give ourselves to it. We invest time and money and energy and effort. Some of us even get golf lessons. We pay for lessons to be better at a game that we're going to pay to play and never get paid for. Right? We devote ourselves to it. We give time and energy and money for it. Some of us devote ourselves to cooking. We want to be better cooks. We exchange recipes. We get online and we download recipes. We, we do a, a chain mail recipe thing, right? You give five to the first person. I don't even know how that works. We go to taste a home when it's down at the convention center. We want to win the refrigerator. We sit there and we hope that we can become better cooks. We've got Martha Stewart and Rachel Ray coming in our, uh, in our mailboxes. The magazines pile up and we try to devote ourselves to being better cooks. Those of you that are involved in uh, the knitting stuff, don't know what it's called, but... You have yarn and sticks and needles and things piled up. And you sit in front of a TV or you sit in quiet in your own home and you're, you're, you're knitting things together and you've got afghans and blankets and sweaters and slippers and all of these kinds of things. We devote ourselves to it. We devote ourselves to music lessons. We've got the wonderful sound of first and second year piano going on in our home. Even as we speak, they're, they're practicing and challenging their minds to learn how to play. And soon the baritone will be added to our mix. We devote ourselves to the lessons. We devote ourselves to training and to study. Those who play on a Sunday morning, they don't just get up there and see if they can do it. They practice. They put the time in. They've put the money in over years of, re- of practicing and, and instruction and rehearsal. They've devoted themselves to it. So we all do it. The question is, do we put the same amount of energy and time and effort, same amount of devotion into our spiritual life, into our spiritual formation? I mean, there's nothing wrong with all of those other ventures. There's absolutely nothing wrong with with golf and cooking and knitting and music and, and all of that stuff. Nothing wrong with it. I think the question is balance. Do we spend as much time being devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer as we do to all of these other things in our lives? 
If we want to see the amazing power and might of God moving in our hearts, if we want to see the power of God in our lives, if we want to see marriages restored, if we want to see families touched, then we need to be people who are devoted to learning, understanding, applying, and living out the character and the priorities of Christ. Trust me. And you know this. Your golf swing, your Afghan, your great meals that you can cook, the piano that sits in your home will never restore broken dreams, will never fill empty hearts, will never heal broken bodies, will never restore broken marriages, and they won't mend damaged relationships. But the power of God moving in the hearts of people will becomes a question of devotion. What are we giving ourselves to? Are we sticking it out? Are we persisting? Are we persevering? This early church in Acts 2 serves as the model for us. They lived it out. This is who they were. And what I want to do this morning quickly is I want us to see how we here at First Alliance are trying to help you develop a devotion to your spiritual growth and formation. Our great challenge here as a staff and as ministry leaders is to help you develop your spiritual formation, your spiritual life, that you would be devoted to God. And what we've done is, in your bulletin, you have an insert. I'm going to ask you to take that out. This little insert. And what I've called it is the... uh, Acts 2 FAC Matrix. This is how Acts chapter 2 and the ministries of First Alliance mix together. If you want to understand how do I apply these principles that that we're looking at in Acts chapter 2 today, how does that fit my life and my life here at church? This is just a quick way, uh, one example of how that works. And what I've done is I've tried to take those, those four qualities in Acts chapter 2, the apostles' teaching, what they were devoted to, the apostles' teaching, fellowship and friendship, the breaking of bread and prayer, and run it through a grid that looks at my spiritual growth, my spiritual formation in three avenues. First of all, my life. What am I doing in my life? What am I doing personally to invest in my own spiritual growth and formation? Second avenue, what are the group opportunities, group life? Where can I get connected in a group and connect to God and to other people for an ongoing building and relationship? And then a third avenue, we'll call it class life. What are some of the instructional settings? Short-term, start date, end date for instruction only that I can get involved in that will help my spiritual growth and spiritual formation. They were devoted people that were devoted to the apostles' teaching. There is a consistency in learning about and being reminded about who Jesus was and and what He had taught. There was active participation and involvement in studying God's Word and understanding the commands, the character, and the priorities of Christ. They didn't just show up. 
They didn't just come and and sit in a seat and try to stay awake through the long-winded speaker. They didn't just sit there and say, well, that was nice, thank you for sharing, and then walk out the door and go on with their life as normal. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and it changed their lives. They actively engaged in God's Word. And when times got tough and the demands of life came crashing in on them, they continued to hold on to God's teaching. They persisted. They persevered. They stuck to it because they were devoted to it. And the opportunities that we have to share with you to help you develop that are a few. Under the area of my life, just just the opportunity for you to come on a Sunday morning and experience God and His Word. Even though we come together as a corporate body, I think you would agree that the worship times are very personal and meaningful. That you as an individual can invest in this environment, in your own life, and get something out of it to find God, and to grow deeper. Another thing that we offer for you on a personal side, something is called one-on-one discipleship. It's a ministry for people who are new to faith or just beginning to try to understand what it means to have this kind of relationship with God. If you want to know how to do that, we will take you and hook you up with a coach who will walk with you for a certain number of weeks at your pace, at your timing to help you grow and develop your spiritual life. In the area of group life for the apostles' teaching, there's a group investment. That's why we talk so much about our community life groups, that these are great opportunities on a Sunday morning for you to experience understanding God's Word and understanding other people. If you've not taken the opportunity to be involved in one, we want to encourage you. We have seven great environments where people are trying to to understand life and do life together as they grow together in God's Word. We have things like women to women and precepts and growing wise and and a new one that we're starting this fall for men. It's called Cup of Joe. It's a morning Bible study, 6.30 to 7.30. Here at the church, you'll get a cup of coffee and you'll get biblical teaching. One hour, in and out, that's our promise. We're just trying to figure out ways to help you grow in your spiritual journey. Things called class life. You know, Thursday nights we are. We offered the Truth Project. Just started it this week. Had close to 100 people in this instructional format. 13 weeks instructional format to help them understand why I believe what I believe. There are different, many different class opportunities like divorce care, divorce care for kids, financial peace, Boundaries, intro to FAC, and so on. We're committed to the apostles' teaching in different venues in our lives, personally, in group life, and in class life. It says in Acts 2 that they were devoted to fellowship. These people were devoted to doing life together. They didn't just see each other once a week at the temple, they didn't just see each other once a week as they met in their homes. They did life together. When they saw that there was a need, they rose up and rallied around that need and and they met each other's needs. This is where the blood and the sweat and the tears come in. 
And look again what it says that they were able to accomplish. 44 to 45. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. There was an element of whatever is needed, whatever it takes to help each other out. That's what we're going to do. We're so committed to each other. We're so involved in each other's lives. We know the needs. We rally around it. And if we have to, we will sell our possessions, take the revenue from that, and give it to the people who have the need. That's the level of commitment. That's the level of commitment we're trying to build here with you. And I'm sure many of you could come up here this morning and tell of the great ways that the church family has rallied to meet your need, publicly and some privately. There are some things that go on here that I don't even know about till it's done. The way that you've rallied together to meet the needs of people. Life is shared in our small groups that Pastor Dave was mentioning earlier. Life is shared in small groups, in our community life groups. And they hear the needs of each other and they understand and sometimes they sit there and say, hey, we can do this. We can meet that need. We can help support these people as life crashes in around them. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to friendship. These are the deeper connections of life. These are the ones of, that touch the true heart. These are the ones of the Spirit. This was the early church. Close connections and deep friendships and doing what it takes, whatever it takes, to help each other out. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. Two schools of thought here as we study this passage in Acts chapter 2. One school of thought is that they were devoted to the Lord's Supper and remembering the Lord's Supper. Remember, it was just, I don't know, probably 53 days earlier that Jesus gathered with his, his disciples in the upper room and had the, the Lord's Supper before them and, and said, Do this in remembrance of me. So as we read Acts 2, there's some, some idea here that when they talk about the breaking of bread, they're being reminded of how Jesus stood before them and broke the bread before the disciples and shared the Lord's Supper. It's a powerful thing when the church as a team gets together and shares in communion in the Lord's Supper. There's something that unites the body when we celebrate that. The other school of thought on when it talks about their devoted to the breaking of bread is that uh, as Acts 2 will go on to, to clarify, they actually met in each other's homes. They sat at each other's tables and they shared a meal. They opened their homes and they said, we're so committed to each other. It's not just about Sunday. It's not just about our classes. It's not just about our small group, but we're going to ask people to come over and, and join us for a meal. And so some of the opportunities that that can be developed here is, uh, again, just kind of the idea of just ask. What would happen if we just started asking people to our homes for meals? Some homes might get cleaned up quicker. (laughs) Give you a good opportunity to use your Rachel Ray and uh, new recipes. There's something powerful about people sharing a meal together. I know I touched on this a couple weeks ago, but... But uh, it's just a a powerful thing. 
when families and couples and people can get together and share a meal, go to a restaurant, and share life together under the umbrella of God's Spirit. Our church, I know back in the day, uh, we used to do dinners for eight, just families, four families, four couple units, or eight individuals, or however you want to mix that up. Just eight people getting together. Toss the names in a hat, pull them out. This is who you have dinner with. Kind of scary, I know. And I know one of our community life groups does that. They call it, they do dinner for six. People in the group, they already already know each other, and uh, they just get together and have opportunity. They mix it up because they're devoted to fellowship and breaking bread with each other. It's a powerful thing. And when life crashes in, when life presses in hard, and you don't know if you can keep on going, and you don't know if you can take another step, and you've been absent from church for a while, and you've been absent from from your group for a while, these are the people who will come alongside of you and say, hey, where have you been? Not in a condescending way because I'm running a checklist, but hey, where have you been? Because I care about your life. I want to get involved in your life. I'm here to help you. Can I pray with you? Can I lift you up? Can I encourage you? Can I take you here? Can I buy this for you? Can I help you get through this season of your life? And these are the people that will do it for you. And these are the people that you will do it for. They were also devoted to prayer. There's a lot we could say about prayer itself. I mean, we could do series upon series on the power of prayer. What I did is on the back of that sheet just gave you a handful of quotes on prayer. One of them that's interesting comes from A.W. Tozer, and he says this, to desire revival. And revival is something I know Rick has talked about, that you know, when we pray that God's Spirit would just blow into this, this group of people, into our hearts and our lives, and do something fresh, do something new, and cause this to be even, an even more attractive place for people to find life and faith and do life together. That whole idea of, of revival, Tozer says, to, do, to desire revival, and at the same time, to neglect personal prayer and devotion is to wish one way and to walk another. I wish this would happen. I wish that we could do these things. But when we neglect prayer and when we neglect devotion on a personal side, and I would add to that, when we neglect devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, when we neglect that, we may desire that, but we live this way. We walk in a different direction. Edwin Orr writes, History is silent. History is silent about revivals that did not begin with prayer. There's something powerful when God's people pray. There's something powerful when God's people pray collectively. When a small group or a community life group or a group of men or a group of ladies get together and pray fervently for the same thing. That's when miraculous things happen. That's when people stand in awe. Devoted to prayer. Imagine if we could 
resemble the devotion of the early church. Imagine if, if in our lives as individuals, and then also in our lives as a church body, that we could resemble the devotion of the early church. What, what would God do in your life and in your home? What are those things that you've been praying about and seeking God about and asking Him for? Imagine what we could do together. Imagine what we could do together. The godly influence that we could have on each other. The godly influence that we could have collectively on our friends and in our, on our relatives and, and in our workplace. Imagine the power of people devoted together in reaching other people for Christ. Imagine the, the, the influence you would have in your neighborhood if FACers who happen to live in the same geographical area took upon themselves to, to bind themselves together in prayer and devotion to God in prayer for that neighborhood, what would God do in that neighborhood? Imagine if a group of FACers had children that were in the same school building. What would God do in that school building? What would God do in that school district if the parents and the families would bind themselves together and pray fervently for that school, if they were committed, if they were devoted to it. We spend a lot of time worrying about and, and, and fretting about all of the problems in our neighborhoods and in our schools. Have we spent that much time binding our hearts together in prayer for our neighborhoods and our schools? Imagine the influence that we could have on our city if we would rise up in prayer and devotion to God and devotion to others. Imagine a group of people who are better together. Who embrace a God-sized vision. Embrace it as a team and work hard. Who encourage each other. Who bleed together. Who sweat together. Who experience both failure and success together. Imagine a team of people better together, embracing a God-sized vision who would help each other up when they fall down and cover each other's backs when times get tough. I think that team would be unstoppable as they embraced God and each other. But it takes devotion. It takes devotion. And so as we stand at the, the beginning of a new ministry year, with all of its promise and all of its hope and all of the possibilities that are before us, as we stand at the beginning of this new ministry year, my question to you this morning is this. What will you be devoted to? Let's pray. Father, I ask that as we close this time that we would be people who take very seriously this message of Acts chapter 2 
and understand that, that the goodness that you want to pour out upon us doesn't just happen because we are present. The power of, of you moving in our lives to restore homes and mend marriages and heal bodies, it, it doesn't just happen because we show up on a Sunday. But it happens because we've devoted ourselves to you. And we've devoted ourselves to other people. Lord, as we, we stand here with, with all of these opportunities that are before us, my prayer is that we would, we would find those things that we can do for ourselves, that personal investment. I pray that we would find a group to connect to because we know that we are better together than apart. And God, I pray that we would just be people who would continually find the ways to be devoted to you. So would you speak to our hearts this day? Would you give us direction and guidance? And perhaps before the day is out, we'll write down a word or a thought or a note that says, this is what I'm devoting myself to. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.